Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Borussia Dortmund have won the European Cup winners' cup. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey, BBB fans, Happy New Year. Welcome back to Believe in Borussia, episode number 41. We are back in what has felt like forever since before the World Cup, a long break and all the teasing of the other leagues starting again. The Bundesliga will be back again this Friday and Borussia Dortmund will kick things back off Sunday. Reason enough for us to look back at the first half of the league, look ahead what we can accomplish and... To do so, I again have Brian with me today on this wonderful podcast to get you all in the mood for some Borussia Dortmund and Bundesliga action because I know you've been yearning it as much as we have. So without further ado, we will get right into it. Welcome back to Believe in Borussia, a New Year special of sorts we haven't been on in a while. So I'm even more thrilled that in the return, I have Brian with me again because we have to unpack a lot of football that has been going on, or soccer, wherever you, your allegiance may fall on that. I really don't care anymore at this point. I, I used to be one of these people as well. But Brian, how's it going? How have you been? I've been great. Uh, it's glad it's it's uh, it's great to be back on the on the pod. I'm I'm glad to be here. Uh, how was your New Year? It was quiet, which I appreciated because it was quite a eventful year. So. A few days of downtime was very needed to, you know, refill the um, batteries and I guess, yeah, come, you know, up with some time for things like this again. Talk about some footy. How about yourself? It was good. Uh, didn't do all that much as well. Um, just enjoyed some time with some close friends. So, so I'm happy to have that time to do so. It was somewhat a weird transition, right? With the World Cup right in front of Christmas and 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 kind of... Yeah, not really having a winter break up until now. Um, I don't know. It it sort of threw my soccer spirits all out of whack. And now, obviously, Premier League already is back, and and it's 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 kind of a little different. I don't know. You have the same lostness. Yeah, it was uh it was different having uh, the World Cup right before the holidays. It really didn't seem like uh well, and not that it didn't seem. We know it wasn't the right time for the competition. Uh, but it, it was a little weird for sure. Um, just to, you know, not have those like final games before the holidays that, that we're very much used to in, in, in the Bundesliga and all of that. But, uh, that's done and dusted now. And I'm really excited for the Bundesliga to come back in a couple weeks. Yeah. It's always exciting. Those days and weeks leading up to the restart of the league, you know, when you had time to maybe do something different, forget about the game for a moment. And then you feel that twinkling and i'm sure the players feel it as well um obviously the greatest news and i'm going to jump ahead here a little bit but is you know seeing sebastian Haller back with the team um after you know the rough year that he's been having as well tremendous uh, setback for him there and it's great to see him uh, regaining full strength and, and and just hanging out with the mates and getting to know people and, and getting to what he wants to do and what he loves to do, which is playing soccer. 
And um, yeah, and maybe that's actually a segue into looking back at the first half of the year, it just blew by. We started kind of early. We had the calendar squished full with games, Champions League, Cup, League, pretty much every other week it was two games and then the World Cup. So <sighs> let's unpack this a little bit. Let's um, digest what you know looking back and and then maybe for some you know you kind of forget too uh you forget what happened um and and yeah maybe this is an opportunity for everyone to kind of like reminisce a little bit about the last half year so i'm just going to start asking you right off the bat what was maybe your highlight well it's funny that you say that because obviously the team's had a season uh so far to forget uh, at least in terms of league position and performances, it, it just hasn't been something that's been um, full of full of uh, highlights, uh, so to speak. Um, for me, I think it, when I think back in terms of highlights, I definitely think back to the two-two uh, draw against Bayern. I think the emotions of that game and ju just the general you know energy the players put in. And, uh, and and just the the raw pride of seeing, you know, Dortmund actually come back in a game against Bayern and put up a real fight. A win obviously would have been better, uh, but it was really nice uh, to, to watch. I was actually uh, in Iceland at the time when I was watching it, and I'm pretty sure uh, our uh, host downstairs heard me scream when that second goal from Modeste went in. So, uh, so it was even more memorable uh, for me because of that. So that, that would definitely be my highlight. Okay, I'm going to share a very sad story here on my behalf which is um, I was in Germany and I was planning to go to that game with friends, um, you know, fellow fans. We've been going to, you know, Dortmund for years. And thanks to a somewhat rude ticket officer, my order actually got fumbled a bunch of times. So long story short, right? When you, when you, Reserve tickets, you have to uh, pay at a certain time. But however, uh, in Germany, it's a little different and you can't use credit cards for some of the systems, yada, yada, yada. Um, there was also a holiday just before that weekend. So long story short, my payment kind of like got stuck in the loop. And when I called to inquire about it and about the tickets, I was told in no uncertain terms that, well... They don't see a payment and, you know, it's Bayern Dortmund. So all tickets are gone and there's nothing I can do. And, you know, good luck. Um, which was a hard pill to swallow. And uh, I ended up watching the game in Berlin in a Dortmund bar. Um, if you ever dare, there's one in close to our Straße. I can very much recommend that one. And obviously that was a great atmosphere as well. Uh, you know, 150, 200 people, uh, Dortmund fans, of course. Um the place bursting at the seams, going nuts for the 2-2. But yeah, the sad part of the story for me is that um, on the next day on Sunday, I actually went to Dortmund uh, for the Champions League game and also to meet some friends there. And while I was on the train, it was sort of like the first day that I had a little bit of time to myself and go through the emails and stuff like that. You usually don't do when you're traveling on vacation. And guess what I found in my inbox? Four tickets for Bayern Dortmund. Oh no, that is that's rough. Yes. So not only did I not get to see this game after you know arguing with this very unfriendly person um, about uh, the situation and him not buckling, but yet apparently he was wrong. Despite being so rude about it, the payment went through, the tickets went through. 
So I paid for four tickets for a game that I didn't see, which was probably one of the best Bayern Dortmund games in, I don't know, the recent history, at least five, six years, if not longer. So yeah, that was really crap, but um, the goal was really good. But you sort of touched on it, I guess. We had these highlight games, right? Um, Derby, Mukuku scoring, no 1-0. I think that was also uh, quite an emotional game. But then we had some major, major bus kills. Still hurts, doesn't it? And I think the Bayern game, for example, is a great example because it's framed by um, a stinker in Cologne and then the 2-2 last-minute draw against Bayern. And then we followed it up with a loss against Union. And I think the only other game that really sucked out the air like that was in the beginning of the year, the Werder Bremen game where we squandered a 2-0 lead. You read my mind uh, with that one. In the 88th minute. And then we become the first team in the history of the Bundesliga to give a 2-0 lead away. I think at the 88th minute or 89th minute, don't quote me on that. Very late in the game to lose, not even tie, to lose that game. It's incredible. So, well, I might have read your mind with that, but I'm curious to pick your mind. Why do you think this kept on happening this year? Because there's a reason why we're that low on the table, right? There were more lowlights than highlights. So what's the reason behind that? I mean, it's it's funny because what I'm going to say is prefaced by the fact that we did have a very um, a very busy summer. With a lot of new signings that were coming uh, that were coming in to to fix a lot of the issues we had last season, but and, and and yet despite that, it seems like we didn't do enough. So a lot of the problems we had last season were problems that have recurred, and that you know comes down to both injuries, lack of proper personnel in critical areas on the pitch, mainly on the wings and in the fullback positions. And then the underperformance of the main reinforcements we brought in in defense, both with Nicholas Sule and Nico Schlotterbeck, both of which, just like Dortmund throughout this first half of the season, had highlights, had really, really good moments. I mean, we just mentioned the uh, the game uh, against Bayern. It was Schlotterbeck who provided the assist for Modest. Um, but there were also some lows where, you know, the performances just weren't there. And I mean, you give up leads like the one you mentioned with uh, with the Werder Bremen game. I mean, 2-0, 2-0 up until like 88 88th 89th minute it's there's no reason there's no rhyme or reason to to how that class at home at home mind you exactly there's no rhyme or reason to it you know so i mean it's a lot of the same things it's a lot of the same things we saw last season a lot of the same things we saw uh a certain marco rose blamed for last season um just uh, not not a jab or anything just putting that out there that it's a lot of the same issues. And not only that, we're also lower in the table than the than we were um, you know, in that season as well. So it's it's indeed we are sad. It's very sad. <laughs> I mean, we've been blaming coaches season after season every year since Klopp. And we even blamed Klopp on his last dire season. It was like, oh, he doesn't, you know, he's run out of his magic, his stick doesn't work anymore, and then Tuchel had his problems and then Stöger wasn't cool and, and this guy and Favre was too timid and to this and to that and Rosa. And to be fair, each of them also deserves a bit of the blame. Um, for example, Rosa, the cup, you know, was, was terrible. I mean, yes, he was better in the league for sure. And where we're standing right now, sixth place, 25 points after 15 games. That's 
uh, points per game. That's that's abysmal for the, the money we put in a team and, and, and the talent and theory right that we have. It's really not good. There's no way around it. At the same time, yes, Rosa probably would have gone. Favre for sure would have been let go, I think. Get his ass out of here! Um, but yeah, I, I still can't forget the dire uh, games versus the Rangers. How we bit out of the cup versus San Pauli, second division team. So I guess the common denominator, um, despite bringing in a lot of new faces, is this inconsistency. And I don't know, I still, I, I really don't know at this point what to do about it. Like, who do we need to let go <laughs> um, or keep to be better or more consistent? Any ideas? It's difficult. I mean, I'm definitely in, in the camp of, and obviously this is, you know, looking back once again, I, I was never the person that wanted Marco Rosa to leave in the first place. And I know you mentioned all those uh, games where, where things didn't go right. And that's hundred percent true. Things that didn't go fully right under Rosa and he, he had some blame to it, but I feel like the main villain here is, or the main, well, not villains. I, I guess villain isn't the right word. But I, I guess the main issue here isn't who's in charge in terms of uh, managing the club uh, as, as, as head coach, because like, like you touched on, you know, we've had numerous faces over the years, each of which uh, had their pros and cons, but the common thing was underperformance in, in some way or another. And um, with regards to that, as of right now, where we are with Edin Terzic, I definitely don't think that letting go of him would be the right decision to make at this time. Um, I think there's been too much fluidity in that position, uh, which hasn't allowed the players to uh, establish any sort of rhythm, any sort of uh, set game plan. Uh, there's been no identity to this club for, for for quite some time now in terms of how they play. I mean, uh, and, and we, we saw that under Rose. Uh, we saw that in the, in the last stages of uh, under uh, Lucien Favre. And I guess that's what the hope was, right? Because under Terzic in his first stint, we did see a little bit of that identity come back, that belief. I, obviously, he won the Pokal. Um, but there were, there, as of right now, the way we're looking at it, there still isn't that clear identity. And I don't think it comes down to, like, it doesn't come down just to the coaches because there's no way we went through all these different names and uh, we haven't been able to find the right one. I find that very hard to believe. I think it's definitely more down to the the, the energy and, and the player investment. And of course, also the recruitment. We obviously haven't made the, the smartest choices, at least up until this point uh, in, in, in terms of their showing uh, for the last uh, two seasons now. I mean, we can look at a, a couple of the signings and we say with, uh, with Thomas Mounier, uh, you know, Daniel Malin, there's, there's definitely personnel and players in this squad in critical positions that, that don't necessarily fit the bill of what we need. And, uh, and I think that's something that, that needs to be looked at. Will that be looked at now or, or over the summer? I think that's definitely, you know, up for debate, but I think it's, it's, it comes down more to, to the player personnel and, and, and the need for, for a further rebuild. All right, a couple of points. First of all, I do agree with you. I think yanking Terzic or, you know, finagling around with the coach is the last thing on the to-do list um, because the only consistent thing is that we've been changing this and nothing has come from it or not much, not the improvement that we sought. Um, and 
while I am personally or why I was in favor of letting go of Rosa, because as I explained to you before, my biggest quarrel with him was whenever he had time with the team, summer, winter break, international break, before big games, the key, the team came out completely flat. The Frankfurt game, the Rangers game, like unprepared, unwilling, and that's just something I cannot accept. I can't accept that, I don't know, one game, you know, you can't control the ball well, or certain things don't go well. I cannot accept that you are not mentally aware after having a week or two off. Um, so that was always my biggest issue with him. That's why I didn't have much high hope. But again, um, yeah, where do we go from Terzic anyway? And at some point, you also just have to you have to leave the reins in those hands, wh whoever it is, you know, Terzic in this case now. And case B, you know, people can seem to forget that this thing does take time. Um, look at Arteta and Arsenal. Like people were you know, screaming for his head a year and a half, easy, two years, you know, this guy is in over his head, his uh, Lego head. He is in over, you know, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he had to fight out a couple of like internal power struggles, I think, you know, first and foremost, for example, with Aubameyang. Um, there's a parallel, you know, that's a guy that I think had too much sway in the locker room and also kind of like left that behind but that's a different story but yeah you know and now they're doing well i mean are they going to win the league or whatever and how sustainable is it different story but fact is he needed quite a bit of time more than a season to just sort of like get things to where he could be effective and now you can actually start seeing his imprint and even greats like i don't know alex ferguson you know when he came to manchester united the first couple of years they were crap too you know he had to let go of a couple of players he had to he had to put down his foot um the fans were screaming for his head and now obviously fergie can't do no wrong and he's the greatest you know in the history and so on and so forth is edin terzic in that echelon i don't know you know it remains to be seen but the point is either you give these guys time or you just get real lucky doesn't seem that like we're getting really lucky you know uh, anymore so maybe we try it with the time and to be fair you know the eye test for some of these additions that we made um i agree with the signings um i think we were all excited when zulu was um coming from bayern and he is a monster of a man he's still relatively quick especially for a guy of his size um but he's clearly not a hundred percent into the games and you saw that with germany at the world cup when he pretty much cost them the group stage uh with his brain fart against japan when he you know slept on the offside trap so it's not just a dortmund thing it's a player thing and yes maybe they also just need uh you know more consistency and, and the same skipper at the wheel i'm babbling on and on but point being the players and the things that we addressed especially on defense which was you know one of our biggest complaints over the last couple of years we got Kobel and I think one of the big reasons that we were also so inconsistent was that Kobel was out for so long you know he was injured people forget that but he was injured for for weeks and then we played with with Meyer who I think played admirably you know really great but at the end of the day his ceiling is 
average Bundesliga at best, you know. And for that, he did a hell of a job. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking him, but it's just like, you know, his skill level is is somewhat limited versus Kobel, who has the potential to become a world-class goalkeeper. I don't even think it's potential anymore. I think I think he's basically there. I think he's 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 very close to to touching that. Um, but ju- just to just to add on to that, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's I think it's mainly consistency, and I think you you really hit the nail on the head there. They just need some sort of consistency. And w- w- when I mentioned the whole thing about the signings, it, it's yes, the like, like you said, the eye test is hundred percent there. And I, I'm by no means giving up on players like Nico Schlotterbeck or Nicolas Sula. I, th- I still think they're really good players, and I'm very happy that that they're at the club. I mean, Sula himself, I remember back from his days in Hoffenheim, I wanted him to join Dortmund. So I'm very happy he is in Dortmund, and and I hope, you know, uh, and obviously expect for him to do way better than he has up until this point. Or, But, but I think, once, once again, it comes down to, to a team thing. It's a team that's underperforming, and, and these these players are part of that team, and I think that sort of sinks into their play as well. And then, of course, you also ch- touched on the whole thing with Cole, and I think that's also important. I think the fact that he was out for, for as long as he was, like you said, that was something as well um, that affected that transition for uh, Nico Schlotterbeck and Nicholas Sula as well. Uh, the defense, uh, the, the way a- any good defense plays, right, they play as a unit. And Koble is, generally speaking, at least in my opinion, the leader in that back. Uh, in that back area for Dortmund, he's he's very good at communicating and uh, and and telling you know his center backs and, and defenders of where to be and, and what they need to be doing. And the fact that he wasn't there definitely threw that off a little bit too. Um, you know, Nico Schlotterbeck coming from Freiburg to Dortmund obviously you know could have had some growing pains as well, moving to you know the the difference in in size of club and expectations and all of that. Um, I think that definitely also played a role. But but I do think that pieces. That, that we brought in are there. It's just that they haven't really fully gelled. I mean, that's probably an understatement, uh, not gelling, but I, I 100% <laughs> agree with you, right? I mean, if you watch Schlotterbeck play some of the games for Dortmund, play against Bayern, for example, you know, he could have let that ball, he's a center back. He has actually no business there, but he's fighting for that ball. He's saving it, you know, from crossing the exactly. um, the line and he's putting in a sweet cross. Like that takes some skill and conviction that not a lot of players have. Uh, in that package and and like the the game uh, uh, Freiburg against uh, Leipzig in the cup final he was amazing they just can't get all the horses the horsepower on the pitch but how do we do that is like Hummels helping or hurting I mean it looked like he was helping but you could also make the argument having him constantly come in and now all of a sudden you know finding his motivation again amidst the the heightened uh, competition how are we going to to settle on, you know, on on the lineup there, if we're constantly rotating the goalkeepers out and so on and so forth? Um, I'm I'm not so sure how to play that. Um. Well, I mean, with the whole Hummels thing, I mean, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, true. What when when he's not performing, everyone's up in arms and saying, oh, like you know, he he's he's clearly you know declining and all of that. And, uh, you know, when he is performing, it's like, oh, well, now who do we play? I would go with the latter because I think for any team to perform, you do need quality depth. And that's something that Dortmund has been missing, in my opinion, at least for, for a few years. Especially there, especially, especially. on that position. Yeah. And, and, and defense. Especially. Yeah. So 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 having that there is 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 a nice thing for me. And, you know, if if they can continue to to motivate each other and push each other. 
I can only see that working in our favor. I, I definitely wouldn't, you know, detract from that. Um, I mean, I think, mm -hmm. I think he's going to do great, you know, because he had a long break. He steered clear of that Germany World Cup debacle. I think he's probably low-key happy now that he didn't go uh, or wasn't nominated. So he has a lot of time, which he hopefully used, you know, to stay in shape and whatnot. I mean, at least that's the lip service he's been giving, you know, how much more he's like taking care of himself. So he should be ready to go when the season kicks back, you know, because he hasn't kicked the ball since early November, which only ups the pressure. But to be fair, right? To your point, that's what top teams have. They have competition, they have depth, and Nico uh, and uh, and and Zula they need to take on that competition and perform, and you know fight for their spot, just as Mukuku did with with, with Modesta, for example. Well, I think uh, the fight uh, from Mukoko and and, and his <laughs> place with Modesta is touche. Yeah, it's not much of a fight considering Tony's uh, performances. Um, but uh, but yeah, I 100% agree. I think that they definitely have to look into it uh, in terms of, and this is, I'm talking about Sule and, and Schlotterbeck now. They definitely have to look at this as as a challenge to continue to push each other. And I think that's 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 only going to work in Dortmund's favor. Um, obviously, it's not only um, our defensive backline that had some issues. It was also the you know, the front, the whole team. You could even make a case for Jude or against him. And he's arguably been our best player. And you obviously showed at the World Cup how a great a talent he is. Not even a talent anymore, just what a fine player he's become. But even he has these moments in too many games, in my opinion, where now he sort of just kind of goes rogue, you know, for for like the effectful tackle or or like a press that's that's not really sensible and and kind of like leaks leaves the rest of the team exposed and then if it doesn't work he'll just kind of like kneel there for a moment and wail his hands or you know gnaw at the ref or something like that or the linesman and you know thin line to walk there. He obviously has the right to complain and 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 ask for more, ask more from his teammates. Um because of his play, um, he is, yeah, pretty much the leader on the field, if you ask me, at least most of these games. But at the same time, with this comes also um, a higher standard. You have to, you know, carry yourself against at the same time. And um, yeah, I guess he's young and he can still use. And the point of this whole, you know, weird little uh, monologue right now was even our best player has quite a few ways to improve and that wasn't his best four or five months of football either i don't know do you have any like closing thoughts on the first half because i do kind of like want to move on and look a little bit more into the future yeah, I mean the the main thing that comes to mind is is obviously the the injuries. I mean they continue to play Dortmund. Um, it's uh maybe not exactly a carbon copy of last season, but it's it's pretty damn close when it comes to you know the amount of uh, players that that Dortmund had out in his first half of the season. So it's um it's 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 also a bit of a disheartening thing there to see that that's continuing, and that's uh we were also talking about you know what Dortmund need to look into to, to improve and all of that. I think once again, it's clear that this is a chronic issue and it's something that Dortmund really need to, to, to have a glance at and, and continue to delve into uh, when it comes to, you know, a, a lot of their key players being out because 
whether it comes down to training methods or 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 recovery or or whatever it is, um, or the medical staff, as, as some people have said, it's 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 something that that also needs to be addressed because, you know, we were just talking about how we have depth depth at the center back position right now, um, and and more depth in the squad than we've had for 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 quite some time. It, it doesn't help if the players are out injured. I mean, even Sule himself, like it, it just you know, focusing it on the defense and Koble as well. Both of them were out for for extended periods of time, and that that hasn't helped. Um, so I really think that that it's something that Dortmund need to to figure out a, a better way of uh, trying to handle moving forward. The crazy thing is right that we've been addressing this too. They put different people in charge uh, in you know, in the medical team, in the staff, they um, let go of a few folks, they they edit some, and yet the problems remain. So, you know, making a bold statement here, but maybe that comes down to the players too. You know, maybe for some reason, some of these players just feel that, and I don't know why, maybe because of the culture or because of the wrong leadership inside the, the dressing room that they don't have to take care of themselves as well as they do or what elsewhere, or they get too much, you know, responsibility put on themselves. Um, and I don't mean like responsibility in the sense that they couldn't bear, but, you know, as you would assume that adults would have sort of like a self-interest and in, in, in being the best athletes they could be. And maybe they just don't, you know, um, Rafa Guerrero comes to mind. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's a speculation. It's crazy. And I mean, the craziest thing is that apart from the very beginning, we've been talking about, you know, the first half of the season. We haven't even mentioned um, the marquee signing pretty much of the summer, which was, you know, Sebastian Hilaire, because he's been out with fucking cancer and part my French, because I mean, the craziest part is for him, right? This is a Here's a young, fit man that, seems like a model athlete and then he gets knocked out with cancer and the crazy part too was that it happened so many times like over a summer to to a bunch of players so i don't know what's going on there i'm just happy to see him back but it's just um the icing on a crap health cake and i'm just glad that he's back i hope he will never have to you know face this again um cancer is really terrible um whether you're an athlete or not. And, you know, maybe lucky for him, he at least is a prominent athlete that has the resources and the support system to get the best medical treatment, um, you know, money can buy. But still, I'm sure it wasn't easy days for him too. And yeah, just wish him to be back and hopefully we can see him and, and he can, you know, be the man again that he was and, and maybe even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, splitting it up into here from a non-sporting aspect, like you said, overcoming something like that for anyone is immense. And, and obviously we're happy to see and happy to hear that he's he's doing better and uh, that his uh, return seems to be on the horizon from a sporting aspect. I mean, especially with, you know, the the, the problems that Dorman have had up front. I mean, uh, having him back, he'll be an invaluable asset uh, moving forward. And uh, from the reports that I'm seeing is that, you know, he could be coming back as early as Dortmund's first game uh, in, in the in the Runde. So, I mean, uh, if that's the case, that's that's very big for Dortmund. I mean, uh, apparently all his all his pre uh, uh, preseason uh, or pre second half of the season tests and all of that were good. Uh, he seems to be very fit and uh, that's a good thing. But yeah, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, we want to make sure that 
uh, or we would hope that Dortmund would make sure that he's good to go and 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 uh, and ready for for the strains of of, of Bundesliga football again from 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 his health standpoint. And but yeah, it's just it's just immense to see him uh, slowly making his return. And, and I'm really happy that that uh, that it all turned out at least from what we can see and what, what we're hearing that everything turned out well with that. So so it's 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 really good news. It is. And on that note, after segueing on Haller into the retrospective, we're basically segueing on the same topic again into the future because it can only get better. And how about this would be the motto for Borussia Dortmund in 2023 as well? I mean, we haven't made any changes yet to the roster, and I don't think there will be any. If you follow Dortmund closely, you know that we have a long history of making no movements in the winter transfer window that that seems to be more an english thing like in germany buying or, or or swapping players at the winter transfers either sort of like you know getting the scraps um or making moves out of uh, sheer uh what's the word i'm looking for desperation um usually when you're fighting the relegation battle but not necessarily if you want to find quality at a decent rate. So I don't think much is going to happen inwards or outwards. The only thing that um, is changing is uh, Peter Hamann, uh, the assistant coach, uh, is going out. And Armin Reutersan is going to replace him to help Aiden Terzic. And um, without dwelling too much on uh, Armin Reutersan, let's just say he's been in the business for 30 years. He's been mostly an assistant coach. He was a head coach once in a weird double with Michael Wiesinger at Nuremberg for a year, so nothing out of the ordinary. I'm sure he has a ton of experience. Um, you know, will be more than capable to uh, help run uh, practices. Um, however, I think we we are losing experience and and somewhat renome with Herman. You know, that was a guy that was known and and you know you you seem to forget at times that that, that players are are they're just very simple humans what i mean by that is that they have the, the same kind of like emotions that we have um and they will react different to seeing a peter hermann than which they've maybe seen in tv before or heard in an interview you know that that, that they sort of have kind of like an idea about and then i mean reutershan who i'm sure is well known within you know the the, the pro- soccer world but isn't necessarily getting people excited um I know I've been kind of like hugging this segment, but let me just say one thing that just pops to my mind, Paxton Aronson, and I know this is a big <laughs> step out. Uh, the US kid that just got signed from um, from Philadelphia Union to Frankfurt, right? The video has been going um, around of him arriving in Frankfurt. And you can just see when he goes into um, the food court and sees these players and sees a Mario Goetze. I think that does something with that kid. Like... I'm sure he's heard of the other guys, but you know, if you walk into a room and you immediately recognize someone that you know only otherwise from you know a World Cup winning goal, even though you might not be that player anymore, that's just those are the moments that hit you like, wow, you know, like this is big time. I'm not in Philadelphia anymore or in Chesterfield or wherever they play. <laughs> There's just a World Cup final winning dude here. Crazy. And I feel like a guy like Peter Hamann, you know, did lend a lot of credibility to our coaching staff. That was the idea from the get-go, you know, with a young coach like like Edin Terzic. And I hope we don't miss it too much. And that's all I'm going to say on that. And I'm going to pass over the mic because 
I want to hear your thoughts on what the next half of the season holds and if you think we're going to make some updates to our squad. Uh, <laughs> very complicated questions. They seem very, very, very simple on, on, on the front end of everything, but they are complicated questions. With My speciality. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, with some some pretty important nuances to, to, to keep in mind. I mean, with regard, well, I'll start with the signings, right? I mean, like you said, Dortmund making signings uh, in the winter transfer window is very rare. Uh, I mean, obviously, we had the recent signing or semi-recent signing of, of early ha Erling Holland uh, in the winter transfer window. But once again, that, that came from necessity. Uh, we did have an underperforming uh, Paco Alcácer, who also wanted to leave the club at the time. So you you kind of needed to do that in that situation. That's right. That was actually a great winter signing, but far in between because other winter signings I have in my mind is like Kevin Campbell. But anyway. Well, so, I mean... <laughs> The minute you said uh, not so great signing, Campbell was the first one that came to mind. Another player I was actually very excited for when he initially uh, signed for Dortmund, but uh, but it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, but I mean, like going back to that Holland Alcacer example, right? That was born of necessity, and I feel like which is better than desperation, which was the right. Campbell situation because we got him when we were like that, you know, bottom right. under club. Absolutely, <laughs> and. Um, And yeah, I mean, I don't think Dortmund, especially with with uh, Haller coming back, are in a similar situation because you know he seems fit. He's going to 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 come in eventually and start playing more of the games, um, and I think that's important because I mean you do have the your other two options are are a disgruntled uh, Yusufa Mukoko, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about later, and uh, and uh, Anthony Modest, who has not really performed. Um, Uh, to any uh, great degree for, for the club, uh, you know, to, to to warrant him starting and 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 setting the, the any stadium alight. Um, but I mean, th there definitely are areas of the squad that Dortmund could look into for signings. I mean, we do need natural wingers. Where we've been playing Curry Madiemi and and Daniel Malin out wide, and uh, it's it's clear that they aren't wingers. Granted, Adiemi does have a bit more dynamism there. And has shades of of or, or shown shades of a player that could possibly, given the time, play that position long term. I still think that natural wingers, uh, um, you know, to give Eden, uh, God, I almost said Eden Hazard, Dorgan Hazard, uh, competition uh, is, is something that's important. Then, of course, at the fullbacks, where where you know we have uh, Rafa Guerrero who's out of contract uh, in the summer. Uh, I believe you mentioned Ben Tabaini, uh as as the player that's earmarked to come in. Uh, I don't think he'll be coming in over the winter. I did not, but oh. yes, that's the rumor <laughs> for sure. Right. Okay. Well, I got ahead of myself there. Um, but yes, that is the rumor for 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 him to 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 come in and and do that. I don't think he'll be coming in in the winter. Um, and then there have been a, a couple of players on on the right side, uh, you know, that have been mentioned. Uh, first that comes to mind is uh, Lutrell Girtruida. Uh, from uh, the Dutch Eredivisie. Um, he's uh, been a player that's been loosely mentioned uh, as, as a player that may or may not uh, be on Dortmund's radar, depending on the source uh, you're, you're looking at, um, because of the links of Thomas uh, Thomas Mounier to, uh, to Barcelona and all of that. Um, so there are areas that Dortmund can improve in and likely should improve in. I don't know if it'll be over the course of the winter, though. Yeah, I doubt it very much. And to be fair, um, I don't even see Hilaire getting, you know, any sizable minutes um, 
the latter half of the season. Like I would be surprised that he would become match fit, um, meaning he can actually play an important game at full strength before the season is up. Um, so yeah, it comes down probably to Muki and uh, Anthony Modest. And poof, yeah, you just mentioned our wingers. Geez, Donny, what are we gonna do with Donny? Uh <laughs> That's 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 yeah. That's I guess the 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 word of of the podcast is complicated, right? I mean, it's. It, I mean, you see him try, right? You see him try. Yeah. You see, like, like he started the season well. Again, injuries, the right, he, the the cup game against Munich. That's exactly the you know, the kind of player what that we wanted to see from him. Yeah, the, he the, went that, for it. He looked for his yeah. opportunities. He, he got shots off. He scored. Mm-hmm. A dynamic player that both creates opportunities and 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 takes opportunities himself. The, the, he's look. He's found himself on numerous numerous occasions. He's found himself in in a very good position. It's that final pass or that final touch that has failed him, and uh, it's something that we've talked about a lot with with Mullen. Um, he is a very energetic player. He does put in an effort. He's not a lazy guy. It's just it see it, it just doesn't seem to be to, to be going his way right now. Uh, I think, uh, to my understanding, the the word at Dortmund is that you know they are looking uh, for for him to perform in this latter half of this uh, the second half of the season, and if not, they'll look on uh, they'll look to to move him on. Um, there are links of, apparently because of uh, Cody Gakpo's sale to to Liverpool that PS uh, I think it's PSV that are yeah. looking in at uh, at Malin now. Uh, as a as a temporary replacement, so there are rumors about that going on. I mean, that will be a net loss. Let's let's not kid ourselves around. If it would be, it if would we're be. letting him go, it's because he did not perform or continue to underperform, which would mean we will not get close to what we uh, got for nowhere uh, near what, what we paid. So, but then at the same time, you know, if the time of reckoning comes, then we have to make a decision. Uh, you can't drag some of these players on. It's funny, right? On the one hand, it's like, oh my God, how could they, you know, um, keep on paying this player, this bum, this blah 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 for so long? Well, you know, it's their contract and that's their right too. And then on the other end, it's like, oh my God, how dare this player wanting to leave? <laughs> um, so um, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Um, I'm super cautiously optimistic. Um, well, actually, I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm more like it's more like prayers at this point. Maybe it's just really that that super crap trinity of him lacking sort of like the 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 the, the positive experiences, the um, injuries, and that keep him out of the match fitness that he needs to kind of like get you know some successes under his belt to to get that confidence up and be ex- effective. But yeah, you're right. Maybe it's it's really a skill issue that. Um, well, he will not be also, able to get over of. It's it's also a positional issue in my opinion, and I've been saying this for mm. a while. Neither Adiemi or or Malin are are natural wingers. Uh, what I would like to see, and this is wishful thinking, I don't know if if Terzic will will try to implement this or or whatever. But I would like to see Malin up front uh, or Adiemi up front along with Mukoko uh, in a, in a front two because I mean that's that's how Malin and Adiemi both played at their previous respective clubs. Adiemi often played in a front two with, I believe it was Noah Okafor at uh, RB Salzburg. And then um, I forget who uh, Malin's strike partner was uh, at his previous club. But um, yeah, I mean, 
they both played up front together uh, together with another striker. So I think, and, and that's where where they they got most of their success and and, and exemplified their their strengths. Yeah. And I think that that would be a good good way to I guess reposition him and and see if that helps. Um, because let's be honest, like we were just saying, we don't have natural wingers, so I don't think there's there's a point of uh, you know putting a square peg in a round hole, right? Like, yeah. Try and play with the players you have and 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 work in a system that that benefits them. I think that's that's Terzic's job right now. Instead of trying to implement a system that he wants with the players he has, look at the players that you have and try to implement a system that brings out the best in them. But that's really the you know the deciding question here, right? Um, is it the job of the coach right now to sort of like make amends with what is there, or is it time to put the foot down and sort out what's not working and bring in what's working over the next three to four transfer windows to yeah to finally break the mold it's both it's both short term you have to work with what with what you have because like we had just said we, it doesn't seem like dortmund are going to be bringing anyone right. in. well let's 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 try a little less fatalistic approach here and give us a more <laughs> positive spin we are still in the champions league and we're playing a chelsea side that's not necessarily uh fear mongering around Europe at the moment. Not to say, obviously, you know, this is an easy opponent, Champions League knockout games, there's no such thing. Um, we're still in the cup. And in the league, despite being, you know, in sixth place, I think we're what, how many points out? Um, two points out of Champions League, and well, already nine points behind Bayern for the top spot. So um at least the top four finish is not out of reach by any stretch uh the league itself well a lot has to go wrong for Bayern cough it up it can to be fair um the post World Cup blues for Müller and Kimmich is going to be pretty bad I think not only them but also the the likes of uh Hernandez and and Coleman oh and all the, the players that that, that injuries Jesus, the injuries too that they have Neuer and um, Jesus, um, the Moroccan kid. What's his name? Masrawi. Yes. So it's not all said and done, but you know, to be fair, we haven't done our homework, so we really shouldn't be looking at Bayern at this point. We should be looking at us, and you know, just string some wins together and get back in the top four, and then. Come match day 25 or so, um, if there's, you know, somewhat of a closing the gap, we can think about higher goals again. But right now, it's it's really just as cliche as it sounds, match day to match day, improve, get everybody healthy, get everybody to gel, and then, yeah, probably see what we can do in the cup competitions. That's at least my take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this season hasn't gone to plan, and I feel like right now Dortmund can't be focusing on winning the Bundesliga. I think, uh, as is the the case in most seasons, the most realistic piece of silverware will be the DFB Pokal. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? I'm I'm a big proponent of you should always try, but I don't right. think the best way to go about it is right now proclaiming after a very very wobbly half season that we're attacking Bayern. Um, it would when, be nonsense. When we, you know, barely holding on to European play at this point. So, you know, keep the goal set, zip the mouth. Um, we don't need any talk or anything like that. Just be serious and work, you know, and put some 
consistent wins together. That's what we need. And I, I want to make a jump to, to probably the two biggest elephants in the room when it comes to Dortmund's future, one by the name of Jude Bellingham and the other by the name of Yusufa Mukoko. Where do you want to start? <laughs> um, let's start with Mukoko. Let's go with that. Let's start with Muki. So, I mean, lots of opinions, lots of stuff has been going through the press. First of all, don't believe anything that comes out of England because, you know, as you know, it's the national sport of the English uh, sports media to just toss around names and attach them to basically any six big six club that they have. If I don't see that somewhere reflected within a, a local German source that is not built or some something wobbly, I don't pay much attention. Nevertheless. Um, it's not looking too hot, right? He's, yeah, it's, he's 18 it's, by now. He could have signed. Um, he's clearly not happy with whatever, or he's pondering at least uh, the offer that he's having in front of him. And time's running out in terms of like making a move there. And the uh, leverage is all with the player. You know, he is a free agent by the summer. And you know, if, if Dortmund doesn't nudge, then then he can pretty much pick a spot. I guess the question is, are you team pay the man or are you team hell no? Don't spoil the teenager. Oh, look at this ball with his big money. <laughs> uh it's it, it's 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 a bit more multifaceted than that. And ah, come on. More, I'll explain. Don't worry. Give me a black we'll, and white. The, 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 there's very few things in this world that are black and white. Let's let, let's 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 go with that first and foremost. Um, but uh, I'm obviously on, on the side that would like to see Mukoko stay. I think the fact that he is an academy product, uh, among other things, uh, as, as talented as he is as well, I think it's important for Dortmund to keep a hold of him and, and to make sure that um, you know. Uh, that he is a part of their future plans because he can end up being the poster child for the club. You but know? that's a given. But that's the point, right? I mean, I don't think anyone wants to see him leave, period. I right. mean, my question was, you know, when it comes down to it, do you want to pay him the big bucks or do you not want to pay him the big bucks and have him leave? I, I It's it's a lose-lose scenario for both sides. Let's put it that way, right? So let's set up both scenarios. Mukoko stays versus Mukoko leaves. So Mukoko stays... We pay him, uh, you know, whatever it is that he's asking for. Uh, I, I don't know exactly the, the the sum. I believe I've seen anywhere between six to ten million being being being, um, you know, uh, stated as the sum that he's looking for. And you know, he does well, great. Then that's 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 fantastic, and and he lives up to the expectations, and 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 we benefit from that, and he benefits from that because he gets playing time. Because let's be honest, wherever it is that he ends up going, if he does leave, he's not going to get the same amount of playing time as he would at Dortmund. On the flip side, we pay him the money that he wants. The, that puts him on par with uh, Ariemi or whoever else uh, that's been mentioned in all these articles, and he doesn't do as well. We have another player that is um, that is underperforming on high wages, uh, that is in effect dragging the club financially down. Um, so I understand where Dortmund are coming from with the. Um, with the contract based on performances, performance-based contracts and, and, and rewards for that. And I think a player of Mukoko's quality and, and ability and potential should look at that as a challenge. Be like, okay, this is what they're asking of me. This is the club that has brought me through, has, has done so much for me in terms of, uh, you know, helping change the rule uh, for uh, for him to even to be able to start playing with, with the professionals at the top tier in the first division uh, from the get-go. 
uh, to you know every, just going through the entire youth system and, and putting that faith in it. Because once again, let's be honest, there's not many clubs, top tier clubs, like the clubs that he's been linked with, with Chelsea, Man, uh, Man U, Man City, whoever else, et cetera, Real Madrid, that would put him in that position to start. None of those clubs are going to start him. Nor will he be a, a a big impact player off the bench either, in my opinion. But I mean, I think it comes down to, do you think he is the seminal talent that I think he is? And if he is so, you pay the man. Honestly, there's nothing wrong with um, performance-based you know, based contracts. But from mm -hmm. what I'm more hearing, um, the contract would top out at $6 million. That's kind of like the the rumor, at least. Um, with a lot of that being based, um, you know, on performance. I don't know what that means, but let's say the baseline is like three and a half, four million, which is a lot of money. It's a big jump for him. But at the same time, what is the alternative? And 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 yes, what does the line up to? I can totally understand him. You're saying he's get, you know, he gets more playing time at Dortmund, but I mean, we didn't trust him with the role. And to be fair, I think it was more protection for Mukuku than than competition. I think it was um, the idea behind bringing in Tony Modest was that if things go really awry and all we have is Mukuku up front, you know, people will be relentless. Um, like, I think the idea was bringing like a veteran like Modest, who obviously doesn't really care what the public opinion holds of him, you know, the way he gets in and out of Cologne, uh, a fan base that kind of loves him and he's still keeps on showing them the finger every other year. Um, so, you know, he's probably a little more hardened there. So he's a shield for Mukuku to, to get playing time, but still fail. And if things aren't going well, step back into the second row. Um, but nevertheless, it's not that he's been playing in and out of games. He had to fight for it to come in and play. It's not like we were like, here, boy, you know, if you stay at Dortmund, you're just going to start automatic. Um, and I think that sits a little wrong with him. Now you can debate um, from a player's point. I can understand that from a, a coaching point. I can also understand not to give it all to him right now from the money point. I kind of cannot like, what's the point of paying some of these other players, eight to 10 million, you know, who are, who are old um, and have no resale value whatsoever. Even if Mukuku isn't doing great, there's still no you know, possibility to um, sell an on at some point as as a talent um with, with like 22 21 or something like that and still make a little bit of money which won't be the case like with the munier for example or something like that right i mean if we pride ourselves on treating these youngsters like men by letting them play big time soccer you know in in the stadium then why don't we also pay them like men you well, know so that, that's 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 kind of the other thing of what i was going to say right i mean i at the end of the day i feel like dortmund will have to pay him the money for him to stay and and to retain that talent because like you said there aren't that many options so that was the the other side of what i was going to say right uh if he does leave who do we bring in i mean yes we, we have Haller, but like you had mentioned um you know it's going to take time for him to, to come back to full fitness despite like i said earlier the, the reports are saying that he is relatively fit and in good shape so we, we we can't say exactly how much he will he will be playing going forward But Mukoko, as a player, just for Dortmund, hits different because, like we had mentioned, he's an academy product. Having him come through and succeed is a success story for Mukoko and the club more so than just, uh, you know, bringing a, 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 a player on a transfer and having them su succeed because he comes from the core of Dortmund, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he lives the club. 
He has exactly. been proving his worth at every freaking level. Um, he just went to the World Cup. He is the real deal. Like we can't afford to buy talent like this from other clubs. Then why would right. we let it go? And even if we pay the man six million base plus two million and 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 bonuses or whatever, at the very worst on a five year contract, let's say we go big, that's thirty million dollars or euros in that case. That's still less than we pay transfer fee for Donny Marlin. Do you really think that he's going to be worse than Donny Marlin? Um, no, I don't. Probably... And if he's doing well and he's eight million, well, then we're probably winning things, and he's going to be well worth the forty million that we invested him in over that period of time. And you know, if need be, or people come knocking, it'll be you know catapulting him into like Jude Bellingham transfer fees, stratospheres. Right, and, but but on the flip side of that, and and, and I completely agree and understand with what with, with what you're saying. But there, there has to come a time where Dortmund, I believe, do have to look at these performance-based uh, contracts more seriously to avoid situations like the Nico Schultzes and uh, and other players Absolutely. like Tomah Munier. And it's just like that—that's that's the complication here, right? Like, okay, like we can put that aside, and and hopefully, likely, we'll put aside for Mukoko. But where does that start? That there has to be a point where where that does start being the thing. And if they set a precedent with Mukoko, you know, throwing a temper tantrum and, and and saying, "Okay, you need to pay me because I'm I'm this talent," what's to stop other players from doing the same thing and then Dortmund having to relent again? You see what I'm saying? So it's it, it no, it's, I actually it's don't. A very fine. I okay. do not see well, what you're saying because I think it's a fine, very fine, very fine line to walk. I think it's BS because. Um, I, I do think that's somewhat a narrative that's going around or the, the thought behind the offer, even though I obviously haven't seen it. But let's say it's like four, three and a half million base, you know, with with, with two million of bonuses or whatever. If you're, you know, if you're serious about, uh, you know, performance or result oriented work, then he should be earning what the pop performers on this team should be earning, you know, like with a bit of a nudge below. I mean, I'm not talking about Marco Royce, but yeah, surely like freaking RDM, he, he was better than him. And he was better than Marlon. So why should he be earning less? He has more potential. He's a better prospect. He loves the club. Why are you playing coy? If you're really thinking like, oh, this is, we need to protect this young guy. If we give him like 6 million at base or seven, he's going to lose his head and, and forget about the game. Well, that might be, but at some point we need to pay these players for real. I mean, you're going to play a losing game if you try to buy players on the transfer market. Like it's not, it's not always worked out, you know, like I Absolutely. feel like more and or less the, the more, the higher we go, the the less room there is to, to find this deal like a Bellingham. We haven't had a Kagawa in like forever, you know, and people thought that would just be a, a given that we pick up players for 350,000 from the second division from some, you know, uh, obscure continent. And I'm not, you know, bulleting Asia by any means. I mean, I mean, like, you know, but obviously the Japanese second division, I don't think people are necessarily familiar with it, you know, um, even the absolute heads in the game. Well, with the market the way it is, it's, it's nonsensical to think that, you know, Dortmund are going to be able to pull off those signings. The the, the time frame that Dortmund pulled off the, the likes of Gundogan, Kagawa, all these, you know, signings, even Hummels to a degree, you know. I mean, Subotic, I mean, the, the list goes on, right? The, the time that those signings occurred has long gone. The market is what it is now. And 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 that's why I agree with you in saying that with regards to Mokoko, um, it's 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 important that Dortmund keep a hold of them because there's not going to be a better option for them on the market. Absolutely. That's affordable. Um, but I do believe, though, on the flip side, and, and maybe this is just my personal opinion, 
a player of Mukoko's ability and potential should also see it as a challenge. I don't, I'm not in the camp that believes that Mukoko should have been handed the reins from the beginning to be like, all right, you know, you are the chosen one, do what you want. He's still a kid. He's still a kid. Absolutely. He turned 18 this year. So with regards to that, I, I really do think that that it's a bit more complicated than just saying like, okay, like let's just, you know, bet everything on him because on the other side of it, he should be willing, able and willing because he says he loves the club, all that stuff. He should be able and willing to prove it because yes, he has done well, but he hasn't set the world alight. Let's be honest with ourselves here. He hasn't set the world alight with, 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 with or a 17 year old. Yeah. He, He's he's been great. He's been great, but I, he hasn't been to the point where it's like okay, uh, let, let's just let's just throw throw the bank at him. Dortmund will have to do that in a situation because, like I said, they, they don't have much of an option here. They don't have much wiggle room. And I do hope he succeeds, and I do I do hope that he stays. But as a player, Mokoko should be showing that initiative, especially at that age, to want to prove that he is the talent that everyone has has thought of uh, him being. For yeah, he can uh, do that. Well. But let's. I don't mind if we pay for him five or six million base salary. To your point, if Nico Schultz got five or whatever it did, then then he should be getting eight or ten or twelve. Obviously, I'm not saying really do that, but I'm just saying like if I'm a player well, like that, and I'm already like doing more for the club than some of these other guys, then yeah, then I feel like that's not and, sort of like the faith. And to right. it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I said, it just doesn't make any sense to let him go then try to come up with a lukewarm alternative from like, I don't know, the Dutch league or some crap like that, that can or cannot work out, you know, uh, pay like 30 to 40 million again, likely if, if it's a player that's, you know, under 25. And and then and, and you still have to pay them, um, uh, you know, wages and everything and bonuses and, and whatnot and agent fees and this and that. And you don't know if they actually, they haven't proven themselves in the league. They don't know the club. Like the risk is much higher there. I don't understand it. Like I, the only reason for this I can see is yes, the age and the sort of like, oh, he's a young man and we don't want to sort of like, you know, spoil him rotten. But to be fair, like, hey, take some responsibility yourself as well as a leadership in the club as a coach if you can't get that guy you know under control then 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 maybe you're wrong in that job as well this guy is a talent he has shown that he has the potential to be you know one of the best he's probably the future of 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 germany and and i mean like i think it's a risk worth taking because i think it's smarter to pay players well and keep them in the club instead of letting them go for free and then you know trying to get lucky on a transfer market Right. It's and I not mean, a strategy. Um, you know, soccernomics, I've quoted this before. Like they have this interesting chapter where they say, like, there's no correlation to footballing success with transfer fees. There's only a correlation with the weight with the payroll. So yeah, let's increase the payroll and not get coy right now with Mukuku. I and 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 I agree with that. I mean, going back to you know the amount of money that that he's looking for, once again, this is media speculation. Right. And uh, if if we look back, Mukoko uh, called out the media. Uh, I believe it was either earlier in December or or late November, uh, with regards to you know uh, them trying to to pressure him into making a choice, or that or he said something along the lines of that he won't let anyone pressure him into making a choice. And I think that's also something that we have to be wary of because the amount like we, we don't exactly know what the negotiations are. We don't know where they they fully stand. It's all speculation. No matter what source it is. And there's been multiple numbers being thrown out that, you know, he wants a salary of what, like you said, five or six million. Some people are saying 10 million. Some people are saying five or six million with a 10 million sign-on fee. 
it's it, it's there's many nuances here that we don't really know. So that's also something that that I'd be very wary of of throwing those numbers around. So we don't know exactly what's going on with that. Bottom line, though, I will say in short is I, I do think Dortmund should shell out the money within reason obviously yes let's let's not throw throw the bank at him depending on what it is that he's that he's that he's looking for you know pay him pay him something fair and i do believe that five or six million wouldn't necessarily be all that much especially considering we are paying other players that but and a long term sorry don't 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 also forget the long term if if we get that you know we'll probably sign him to a long-term contract in four or five years five or six million will be nothing you know that will be sort yeah. of like squad players not well, like once top again players. It, it, it really depends on what the actual numbers are right yeah like i said there's there's multiple numbers being thrown on so that's, i mean that's all i'm saying to be fair yes we know you know i know as much or as little as you do i think my personal point would be six million i have no problems whatsoever and if that's where it's holding up and we we don't want to pay him six as a base, it would be then, unfortunate then i don't really understand what they're doing um but yeah, obviously, if it's ten million or something crazy like that, then yeah, I mean, you know, there is something like a like a hierarchy or or like a like a hygiene, and 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 we need to respect it in a sense as well. Let's be optimistic. We yeah. said we didn't want to make this uh, an abysmal pod in terms of being very fatalistic about things. Let's be optimistic. He'll sign the contract. They'll find an agreement. Keep the faith, brothers. Yeah, I mean, um, let's hope for the best. I I have I have more hope in that than in Donny Marlin uh, breaking out. <laughs> <laughs> with a <laughs> crazy second half of the season whatever that yeah. means um so yeah i'm still with with muki i feel like it's it's not over until somebody actually officially says it is um but yeah i am feeling nervous about it and another um situation be, uh, constantly being speculated about is the jude bellingham deal and the funny thing is there, he has a contract until 2025. So we don't have to sell him at all if we don't want to. There's no clause. There's no nothing. But of course, people act like that doesn't mean anything. And it might not if somebody's really breaking the bank for him. So if you read English media and chances are if you listen to this podcast, that's all you do. Um, it sounds like it's a done deal. Um, in Germany a lot of people speculate that he's leaving as well it's a little more cautious in tone um i don't know what do you think is going to happen well i mean from from a hopeful standpoint obviously uh, a player like jude is is a player that dortmund will should do their best uh, to keep as well um he's shown um that he is definitely mature beyond his years and he's shown that he's skillful beyond his years. I mean, uh, he's, like you said earlier in the pod, he's been Dortmund's best player this season. And uh, he's third captain behind uh, Royce and the Hummels, right? So um, and, and everything he says and, and, and does, he seems to identify with the club as well. Um, and he doesn't seem, at least from, from at face value, the type of player that would make an issue about staying at Dortmund um for one or two more seasons i do think that with regards to that dortmund will have to uh you know follow up that contract even if it is till 2025 and there's no pressure to sell right now i still think that an extension would still have to come into play uh very soon for uh that to make sense uh on the flip side of it i mean you know there um it's if if an offer comes in of, of 150 million that's rebuild money as well. Uh, and at the end of the day, with regards to the trajectory that Dortmund's been on with players of Jude's talent, 
uh, sooner or later, it's 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 more than feasible to think that he will leave for for another club, uh, especially being an English player. He'll he'll want to play in the Premier League at some point. So uh, luckily, at least for for his position, there are other players that Dortmund can look at to to fill that void. Um, McAllister uh, from Brighton uh, is a player that's been mentioned. Uh, but a player that I would really like personally uh, for Dortmund to look at, and granted, this is not something that's set in stone or that there's any links, but uh, uh, Lovro Meyer, uh, who is a Croatian international, uh, he's been really impressive in Ligue 1, um, and I believe that he would be a good player for Dortmund to look into. So there, there, there's a little bit of a difference there in terms of you know the, the players that Dortmund uh, can look into with regards to if, if Mukoko were to leave, which is basically zero, and players that that Dortmund can look into if Bellingham leaves, and then have money to spare as well in, in, to add to positions that uh, Dortmund obviously need uh, assistance uh, in at this time. Uh, but the ideal scenario obviously would be uh, to, to keep Jude because he is a player that so strongly identifies with the club as well. It's just a great example of how fickle this industry is. And what I mean by that is right now it feels like Mookie's gone um, and Jude maybe as well, but who knows? They might, you know, come to an agreement, and we might not get an offer that satisfies us in the summer. That's that's good enough because somebody's playing, you know, trying to be cute, and then both players are still with us next year, and then obviously the whole cycle starts over again. At least for Jude, it wouldn't be the first time, right? We, yeah, we had that with with Sancho, right? Absolutely. There were so many seasons where he was linked with United, and it took two or three transfer windows for that to materialize. So you never know. So you know, silver lining here, the positive, uh, you know, glass half full thing. We are completing the driver's seat here. Um, there is no clause. I'm not aware of any uh, gentleman's agreement or whatever. Obviously, if a player really, really wants to make a change. Uh, we will always, you know, talk with the players. They're just, you know, humans as well. And, you know, um, you can love your job, but if there's another opportunity that's, I don't know, paying you three, four times as much and, and moving you closer to where you want to live and all that stuff, then, you know, it's naturally that you want to think about it. I think, you know, now let me be the one that brings in a couple of uh, gray shades here. Some of the difference with, for example, Jaden is that Jaden, you know, one of the, things that that went around and i think that played a role is that he felt he needed to play in england to be recognized you know he didn't have really a lobby um he didn't get called up for england and he obviously wanted to go to world cup well how'd that work out not so great um but it's different with jude you know jude is already a bona fide star despite or maybe because he's playing in dortmund he is you know world renowned uh, he constantly gets into the England squad. Didn't he captain a, a bunch of times? He had a stellar World Cup. So he's clearly, you know, already a leader in the locker room as well. So that whole aspect, I think, is an unfactor, is less of a factor. So I don't know how much he yearns to go back to England or Birmingham or whatever. Um, I think he's a little more mature and more stable as a character for him. You know, I feel like... He would take it as a benefit, but it's not something he can't do without. See what I'm saying? No, I definitely agree, and and that goes back to to what you're what we were both saying there. He's definitely mature beyond his years, and he looks at the bigger picture. I mean, um, you can look at uh, players like Sanjo or 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 similar players that have made 
the jump too soon. That's also something that may be something that that comes to mind. Granted, he he's already much more talented in my opinion than than the other players in question. But I still think he can look in and be like, I can still develop here. There's still a project here that I can be a, a an integral part of. And I he, like you said, it's it's not as much of a necessity for him to to jump ship to be recognized. He's already recognized. And he's already getting into the international team and all of that, having a good World Cup. And I think it's with him, he's just he, he identifies with the club as well, which really helps in, in, in keeping him grounded and hopefully will help him keep or help keep him at the club for, for longer. I feel like it's a little different with him, though. Yes, obviously, he can improve. Everybody can improve. Michael Jordan could improve. Um, that's not the point. But usually when we say that, what we mean is um, he still needs to add a little bit to the toolbox before he's really ready for primetime player or primetime team, you know, week in, week out. I think Jude at this point pretty much walks into every team on the world. So I think the most enticing thing for him apart from the money in these things is probably his ambition. Um, he's very ambitious. And if somebody comes and basically lures him into like a bona fide all-star team of, you know, world beaters that are pretty much guaranteed champions league semifinal year in year out. And then you're like, Oh, by the way, here's also, you know, 25 million a year. I think that's kind of, going to be hard to for him to resist but then it comes down to what are they offering Dortmund and if that doesn't line up I think Dortmund has shown in the past that they will you know put down the foot and they will also let Jude understand like hey you know we're willing to work with you here but it has to work for us as well and I think and that's probably my biggest hope is that Jude is mature enough to understand that like I think he, he won't you know throw a tantrum fit or anything like that I think he understands if it's not working out for Dortmund, um, then I'm going to be maybe upset for a moment, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm a professional. I'm kind of like, you know, I think he's more Lewandowski there than Dembele um, in a sense of will be professional. And he understands Absolutely. that his worth will only tank if he doesn't, you know, uphold his thing. And obviously he likes playing here. Um, so for him, it's less, I think, about improving and, and becoming ready to play prime time. It's more like if he stays maybe he will be the linchpin of a team being lifted to the next echelon versus improving so he can be on a team in the next echelon. Yeah, it really depends on, on what his outlook is, but but I definitely agree. I don't see him being the player to, to throw temper tantrums. And and once again, that goes to his maturity and all that. And it's it, it's a testament to him as, as a person, as, as a player. And I think that, like you said, um, any sort of potential sale in the summer We'll have to come down um, to highly benefit, highly benefiting Dortmund uh, in the long run. But at the end of the day, the the position of the club should mainly be that they should be doing what they can to uh, make the player comfortable in a way that shows him that he is part of a bigger project and that he will uh, continue to to play a leading role and grow into that role even more so. You know, as of right now, he is third captain. Uh, sooner or later, there won't be a Marco Royce or Matt Hummels uh, to rely on. And I do believe that that Jude, if he does stay in a, in a bit more of a long term, he can fill that role of, 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 of a potential captain moving forward. So that should also be a prospect that they show him that, you know, he will be a central, uh, a centerpiece for, for the club moving forward. Yes. I think a lot of things have to align for him to, you know, be at Dortmund long term, but it's not impossible. It's, it's a long shot. But it's not impossible if the team starts gelling, 
marquee signings like Mukuku also come through and you, and you get the feeling there's something happening while at the same time again some of the other clubs are trying to be cute or for whatever reason aren't able to pull the trigger there could be a chance that this still takes a different turn um what do you think is the what's your base sum where you're saying okay this is the minimum i would expect for him uh i mean th there's 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 a bunch of numbers being floated around i think that if base sale if it's if, if we're just you know sending him no 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 add-on fees or anything like that i wouldn't go for anything less than 120 to 140 um i don't think 100 million is anywhere near enough i know that's that's a fee that's that's being you know um uh, spread within the media but i think that would be a very low sum uh for the likes of bellingham i think yeah. at least the 120 to 140 if you're doing add-ons then that could even go up to 150 in my opinion because once again that's that's not something that's guaranteed but in the end it would be something that that would definitely be worth putting in because he's capable of achieving some very very high highs and i think that he will have an immense career uh but yeah 120 to 140 in my opinion no less than that all right um I agree it should be a substantial fee if a bench warmer like Jack Grealish commands like what 110, 150 million. Um yep. and like the same amounts are being tossed around for guys like Declan Rice, then um yeah, I think Jude is worth a premium of that. I personally think 150 million base and maybe 160 with um bonuses. I would actually think could depending on who is in the bidding, this could go up to like 180 190 um depending on you know how the seasons go and who will be desperate and in the market at the end of the year and if it comes to that we will probably sell so it's not great we're not a bank and it's something that annoys the crap out of me as you know um Dortmund's philosophy is not being a bank or hoarding money. We would love to hold on to Jude Bellingham and have him stay here beyond 2025. It's just that if somebody comes and offers this kind of money and the player usually goes, um, it's not like we're sending them away. The player usually approaches and wants to leave, like Earl. Then we have to make a decision. And then we have to try to retool again. The reason why we're doing it is not, again, to make cash, but to have a competitive team and since we can't afford to buy these players at 200 million a pop we have to buy them at 25 35 million from birmingham when you're 16 and that's really it get this through your head but i'm sure if you listen to the tropes on on like espn or whatever that's all you're going to hear um from here until the summer so um yeah i don't know get ready to get your your plugs or whatever uh it's going to be tiresome and it's just not true um, no matter how often you repeat it. Brian, any final thoughts on um, the upcoming weeks and the next half of the season? Um, nothing concrete. I just really hope that the team, you know, puts in the effort and uh, and really makes a run out of everything. I know the league doesn't seem like something that they'll be competing for this year, but obviously getting into the Champions League spots is paramount. And as we talked about earlier, if they can make a, a late run for it, they should at least be pressing. They should be pressing for it and showing that they want it. Same thing goes for the Champions League uh, and uh, obviously the DFB Pokal, which would be the most winnable of all of that. I really do feel that, you know, this this is the time for a lot of the players to either make or break, particularly the likes of Donia Mellon and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. I think uh, it, it, it's, it's a time to showcase that 
despite the, the, the negative form that they've been in, that they, they do have something to bring to the table and can be part of a longer project or, or a project going forward. And that there's, that there's some hope for, for fans to hold on to. So I, all I, all I want to see is, is effort, 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 effort on the field. And then, and that's, that, that, that's it. Okay. Quick fire round at the end. Are we going past Bochum in the round of 16 German cup? Yes. Are we kicking out Chelsea in the champions league? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you understand the yes and no concept, uh, right? <laughs> Did you not hear me earlier? Right, I, I, it's complicated. I'll, I'll help you. I'll, I'll help you. All right. Give me a ratio. Uh, Give me like a 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30. 30, 70. We go through. Wow. Right now. Um, on, on, on the form that we had, if, if that changes, if, if we do actually string a couple wins together, it goes to 50, 50. But I'm saying 90, 10 for Bochum Dortmund, just because, you know, it's a derby. Yeah. We played him away. Yes. Um, I'm saying 60-40 Dortmund favorite over Chelsea really? in the Champions League. Okay. You heard me, yes. Okay. Or um, faith in me. Obviously. <laughs> what are the odds of us getting into the top four? Uh, I, I think that's a given. I think they, they they will put the run together. They've proven year in, year out that they're able to do that. That's that's like a 95-5 okay. for me. I'll stick with that too. 95-5 sounds good. Um, what are the odds of us coming within the top spot? Within three points again. 40, 60. All right. Not too bad. That's uh, more of a chance than you think uh, we're having against Chelsea, interestingly. Yeah. All right. That should make for a, a decent uh, second half of the season. So let's see. Um, you know, the season will kick off on, I think, the 22nd of August. Uh, sorry, August, January, of course. I don't know why I said August. Um, against uh, Augsburg at home. So, you know, feasible match. Then we have Mainz away, Leverkusen away, and Freiburg at home. So not too bad of a ramp to start off off. And um, yeah, I hope we can do well. Brian, thanks so much for, you know, sitting down again and, and talking shop with me. And um, hope to hear you soon again. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And uh, to, to all the listeners out there, hope you guys have a happy new year. Um, and yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's hope Dortmund can, can, can really make us proud in the second half of the season. Off gets beef up. Hey, uh, BVB. Thank you for tuning in again to believe in Borussia and thanks to Brian for lending his expertise again. If you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy this content, I highly encourage you to go back and check out some of the other episodes that we've done. There's a lot of historic information, the story about the club anthem, the Bundesliga scandal, Dortmund in its founding years, and a ton of cool interviews and very rare English interviews of people like club legend Teddy De Bear, Svenja Schlenker, the head of the women department, if you want to learn more about that. So a wealth of content for you to dive in and understand the club and the league better. Enjoy, have a wonderful rest of the beginning of the new year in 2023. Until the next time, a black and yellow shout out across America. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.